Welcome everybody to the AJ Osborne Show, where we focus on our core tenets, impact, freedom, and progress. Join me and others as we grow through education and discussion. What's up, everybody? So today I want to discuss something that uh, I've had multiple conversations with with people in just the last two weeks, including on a podcast, and that is income and investing, meaning that at certain times at the beginning stage of your investing or entrepreneurship journey, um, the ever present need of achieving an income and having to have an income seems to always be at odds with the future uh, goals and the future viability of investing to achieve those goals. Now, in entrepreneurship, the same thing starts uh, or the same thing applies because I need an income. But yet, when you're starting out, the business takes the income. Now, this is something I'm very familiar with because I have always at this point in my life worked multiple, I think, jobs with multiple jobs not paying me an income at a given time. The reason being is because I've had a source of income and then I have been investing and building other businesses that weren't paying me incomes. Now, this may have been on the side, but that is also like today. We have companies and investments that I sit on the board. I have to travel to. I have to work with. I have part-time jobs. I have other ones that are not. They don't pay me. And I actually do not have a future outlook to when they will. Um, this is something that people that allocate capital are very comfortable with. Not at first. This is so counterintuitive at first. When we're thinking about financial education, when you're thinking about finances overall, uh, because effort is a resource, it is needed to be applied somewhere, and your income is needed to survive. And your income is needed to be put into assets to generate a return. So this is the discussion today. These things are at odd, how to handle them, how to work within them. Now, there's multiple ways to look at this. There's multiple facets. There's multiple outcomes and multiple ways to go about it. Obviously, I am not going to cover them all and your individual circumstance will vary greatly uh, as well as your opportunities do. And this is the first thing you need to understand is that everyone has different opportunities. And uh, even people that don't think they have any opportunities, pretty much the only reason is they're not looking. Or, or excuse me, that was totally wrong. They aren't, they are looking, they aren't seeing, okay? I know this because I have experienced that at all stages and I am experiencing it today. The difference is I'm very aware of the fact that I can see a certain subset of opportunities within my sphere, and I can calculate those opportunities. I can understand how much capital, how much time and resources go in, and generally what outcomes will be predicated on those things. Outside that sphere of knowledge that I have, I don't know. So there may be, not maybe, there are 
opportunities on businesses and investments that would require little capital, little resources, and a little time for me that would probably generate greater yield than what I'm doing today. Not probably, I know they would. The problem is though, I don't, I don't know those opportunities. They may be right in front of me, but I don't know that they're there. I can't see them. Is that bad? Not at all. The reason being is that happens to everyone no matter what in all shapes and sizes. And even the richest people in the world, this is an ever-present problem. I think a lot of people assume that after you get to a financial position that you understand all the opportunities and all opportunities equally make sense. I've had people that have pitched companies to me and I said, I'm sorry, this isn't for me. And they're like, you'll be sorry because this is going to be huge if you don't take advantage of this now and that's with me. And I'm like, okay, so first of all, you could be 100% right. And I think when I pass up on opportunities, it's almost like people may take that personally. Like you don't think this is an opportunity. Just because it's not an opportunity for me doesn't mean it's not, not an opportunity for other people. And just because it's a success doesn't mean it was an opportunity for me. I know. I just kind of got complicated. Let's break it down. Um, we have to focus in and that circle of competence in which I can see and understand opportunities, I have to create. So when you start off and you have an income and you haven't tried investments, you haven't tried and failed, you haven't succeeded, that circle of opportunity competence is very small. And lots of times we see opportunities and then five, six years goes by and they say, I knew that was a good opportunity. I should have acted. I don't know how many people have done that on here, but I'd assume it's every single one, <laughs> every single person that's listening to this. Um, and this is an interesting psychological effect because we don't do that with the things that went bad, right? It's not, that doesn't just pop up. Um, when you look at that, the reason being is you notice something that you saw that maybe other people didn't. And there were other things though that you may not know how, how it would play out, so you chose not to go down with it. That generally has to do with your circle of competence understands the demand and you can understand the opportunity, how it would fill a demand and how it would be monetized. But then your circle of competence doesn't understand the execution. The understanding of the opportunity and the understanding of the execution are two different things. Lots of people can understand the opportunity side. Um, very few people can understand the execution side. The execution side is actually more important than the opportunity side. So when you're trying to build out your circle of competence to include seeing opportunities, it's far more important to understand the execution process of opportunities than it is an opportunity. And that's why I usually would say no to deals. I may fully agree with somebody. Oh, this, this could be huge. I have no idea, though, how you can execute on this opportunity. And especially lots of times, I don't understand how you can do it in a way that would lead to a certain realm. So 
you know, I, it's not within my preview and I back out. I would much rather do lots of things that had a lesser opportunity upside, but I'm way more sure of the process of execution because I'm not gambling. I want it to be done in processes and systems. But you have to increase your understanding of execution. I did a lot of this in my early 20s. I talked with business owners. I talked with entrepreneurs. I would read books, boring books, on things about execution. So how did people build business structures? Whether or not it had something to do with what I was in, which was insurance or real estate, that had nothing to do with it. I wanted to understand the process of execution. So often we see success and that success is told in a hero-like archetype that follows a bell curve. This drives me nuts. Uh, this idea that it was rags to riches or that it was one great idea, that it was one thing and I met this one person and I bought this one stock. And the reason why I hate all of these story archetypes is because they robbed me of time. They robbed me of time because I accepted narratives that were boiled down to be hand-delivered in a consumer fashion like a McDonald's Happy Meal. And you're just accepting it and you're eating it and you're happy with it, but you could never reproduce. You don't understand anything that went into it. Um, and you're getting something that, frankly, is probably not even real. Uh, and that was really frustrating for me and I think many people that are reading these books that are trying to figure out, trying to be inspired. And, they're, and the books are predicated on more like a motivation factor, right? And it's like, if, you, if I can do it, you can do it. If I can do this. And that's what they consume. So they're consuming success stories without understanding everything that goes into the success to believe that that could be replicated, even though they're not learning how to replicate it. At first, this feels really good, right? This feels amazing. It feels like you're doing something, but you find out very quickly you're actually not doing anything. And instead, you're left with something hollow. That is, now I feel like I'm not like that person and I can't do it. And the reason being is, those types of story archetypes, everything, it makes it look like it was the individual. I am here to tell you that it is not an individual. That's not how this works. It's not somebody is just better. Somebody is just smarter. Somebody got a golden ticket. That's not how it works. And when you want to increase your circle of competence, to understand opportunity, you need to be focusing on the boring stuff. What this leads you to do is you understand execution, you understand longer timeframes, and you can start to break down resources needed, time needed, what you have, what you don't, and then you can start to put it together like a puzzle to see what would work best for you. You're going to fail at times. You're not going to succeed. But starting out, you have those limited things. And you have actual real needs, like an income. And an income and a job is like the greatest thing ever. 
my job, my income, my father's job, his income, my brother-in-law's job, his income is the only reason we're sitting here today. We worked for uh, almost a decade while we were building our companies. I, we did it the hard way. We bought, we started businesses, we sold businesses, we put those into it. I got a lot of great exposure. I did a lot of things that were stupid. Um, but my circumference of understanding opportunities grew massively. So now what a lot of people, I think, seems like that that person has the Midas touch or that person ha got a golden ticket, right, is really actually just a boring process of understanding how to achieve an outcome. And it's not risky. It doesn't, it's not exciting. And what I say, it's not risky or it's not exciting. I mean, it's not like it is in a movie. It is a very boring thing. If it is like it is in a movie, I would be very concerned and I would not want to invest. <laughs> that would be very, very first and foremost. When we look at an opportunity and evaluate it, it, it shouldn't be something that is driven by emotion at all. It should just be a really boring understanding of what is needed and what it takes. Everything's going to need a lot of work. So there's nothing that I start or nothing to think of. I don't expect to be paid immediately. I don't expect it to be this rocket ship. I don't expect none of that. It's like, okay, listen, we have resources. We need to look at opportunities that we can apply that are given to it. What is expected out of me? What I need to buy. And from there, we're going to look at building something when we wanted to really do something big in storage. I needed a job. My dad needed a job. My brother, we had work. We knew what it was going to take. We were in it for the long run. Um, and only after the fact does it look really good in a book. Now, I don't say this to dismotivate you. I say this to actually motivate you in the right, correct way. That in order to actually be successful, stop looking at one-offs, big things where it's like, I'm just going to quit my job and I'm going to start this company and be successful. Or I'm failing and that's because of me. And if I was somebody else, I could do it. Um, it those are just false narratives. You need an income to survive and you need to start investing and you need to always be hedging and building. I set forth a three-stooled prong of income types that I still operate off today. One reason is, is I hedge and I don't know what the future is. So first of all, let me break down my wealth stool. The first leg in the wealth stool is something much more aligned how I think the vast majority of people think that wealth works. And I simply call that scale. Now, I use scale in a term which is not actually probably right in this way, but what I mean by scale in this term is I'm talking about a financial instrument, mean, or way that I do not get any short-term monetary um, results from, uh, meaning it's generally not income-producing uh, because it is so resource-intensive because it is growing so fast. And... Uh, there's generally speaking much higher odds of it not being successful. Um, uh, these are not bets. These are 
equity positions normally in companies that are within my core competencies. And I take these understanding that these are not foundational principles for me to actively be building and growing wealth. So you can understand this is the smallest percentage of my wealth stool. Um, this is not one that I once again think of gambling. So I, it's not a small percentage of it because I'm like, oh, if it wins, great. If it doesn't, I fully expect it to, to be successful. And there are resources applied. But I'm not going to be able to direct a lot of resources to something that isn't going to pay me in the short term and things. So it's usually somebody else's. I'm helping maybe in some way. Um, but I have core knowledge in what's trying to be achieved. So I can understand the execution that the person is going to do to build that company, what is needed if they can pull it off and I can understand it as it goes along. Uh, that's one leg of the stool. The second leg of the stool is an equity leg. Now the equity leg is something that is much more comprised of Real estate's the easiest example because you have a real asset that has real value, but it's also paying me. Uh, generally speaking, the equity to income ratio, like in real estate, income is lower, the equity is stronger, but it is something that grows in value and it will continue to produce income and equity going. This is not something, though, that I'm going to put a little bit of money in. It's going to make me wealth rich. It's not got this huge upside or anything else like that. It is very known. It is very measurable. And it is tangible. Now, there's a reason why I have, for example, also these two legs. One is because of financing, bankability, overall fundamental health of my balance sheet and financial statements. And that is that I need... Uh, real tangible assets. Um, I need to be creating core wealth and I need to be receiving income more in like a dividend fashion paid on that. And I can be able to affect that income growing. Uh, so that is my one leg and stool. Now you may think that this is just investing. It's not. I built a business out of that stool there is investing in real estate and there's the business of real estate. My private equity company, which focuses on a vehicle that is a wealth and income producing vehicle, right, is within um, the stool, two legs. I own equity. That is that wealth one. But that leads me to the third one. And that is earned income. Now, um, earned income may be generated right off, excuse me, the wealth one. Also, I should say, I own a lot of companies, I own websites that produce income, I do right, there's income, actual tangible assets in there, and companies that uh, are, are in that school. Now, the third one is earned income, I have earned income, it doesn't go away, it's not going to go away. Um, my earned income is multifaceted, right? It's part of the companies that I sit on boards that I actively run and operate. Um, and it's when uh, people pay for anything maybe that I do or services. I don't have what a traditional person might call like a W-2, things like that. But when I got started, that was a very important leg. Now, when we got started, the three-leg system, which was earned income, which I used for salary, and we built businesses surrounding our earned income, everything that we could then create equity in that was real. And then we could transist from our earned income into a business income model that could also generate wealth 
that we could sell. Therefore, I was allocating earned income within to a business function. Doctors, dentists, people like that do this, and that turns into very successful ventures. This is something I've done time and time again, okay? I don't do that anymore because I don't have time to have something predicated around me earning income and building it up. But it doesn't mean that that vehicle isn't still alive and going. When I say I don't do that, I mean on the specialty side. My private equity company, though, obviously I'm making an income and I'm building the company. Now, what you need when you're starting out is an income and it's usually earned and it's usually a W-2. So offsetting it, I usually tell people you need to look within the core competency um, or your circle of opportunities and things that you can directly associate with what you're doing today to generate income in a way that will also produce wealth. This may be consulting, right? This may be investing in certain styles. There's one. What you're trying to do is you're trying to shift your earned income from not just earned income, but attached to some type of wealth vehicle, some type of format that can have an equity and that can also be replaced out of you. Meaning that if you have a pure W-2, there is no transisting you out of that, but still getting paid, okay? If you have maybe a consulting job or a side business that is like website SEO or maybe something like that, well, it's now attached, to, your income's now attached to a function that you do inside the framework of a business, which you can start hiring things out, maximizing your income within that, get yourself off the job into that framework and eventually be replacing the functionalities to produce the outcome to where you're not in it anymore, but the income is still there, okay? Now, the other way is you generate income, you allocate it into wealth uh, assets that are actually paying you and you become a very passive uh, earner. This is what our investors do. This is what I do for people for a living. They give us their money. They pay me to put their money to work to build them wealth and income. That's my active job as well as my passive job, right? I turned what I do into active and so on and so forth. And I can scale that. So now I can scale my wealth by scaling other people's. That makes you very wealthy. It's an outcome that I can produce that other people want. So I've traded my skill and what somebody maybe could have just paid me straight to do to also earning wealth and income. This takes time, first and foremost. So you have to build up and identify opportunities. You have to set up a structure whether that's an investment vehicle, right? So some people may say, well, I want wealth income. I want totally passive. I'm going to earn money and I'm going to give it to somebody like AJ. Or they may say, I'm going to start a consulting gig, right? I'm going to break my income that I'm making now and I'm going to move that income into another vehicle, which that vehicle can create equity and value because it's now a business. I can get myself, maximize my income within it, but then I can also change my income from my work. Then that gives you disposable income. That gives you other things. That allows you to maybe invest in things that don't require paying you. And they have huge potential. You may have to work on them a little, but you have the ability to do it. That's why I have those other investments. I have the ability to invest in those. And I have the ability to offer things to those companies to work with them that have great upside potential. But when I'm starting out, that wasn't my area of focus, right? So 
these three legs to my thinking of a financial stool that to get where I want, I want it to be very well-rounded, are also important for another reason. Income ebbs and flows. Assets perform differently. So I want multiple sources of income coming from what I would uh, think of as is diversified, but not diversified like most people think. If you own 15 stocks in the stock market, you know, you're not diversified because they're all stocks. So asset class diversification. Now, people say, yeah, but AJ, I don't want to be doing 8 million things like, you know, you are. And I think there's a big misconception with that. I'm not doing 8 million things. I have an operating holdings company that holds all my companies that I'm, uh, I'm what you would call an operator in, meaning I have actual decision making. All of those things surround my core competency of one thing that I'm doing. So they all play into each other. One helps the other. The other one helps it. They're not different. They're not scattered. They're not all over the place. They're actually very, very aligned. They may be six, seven different companies, but they're all completely aligned. And the thing that I do that brings value is the same within all of them. I am not all over the place on those at all. I have another holdings company that holds my assets and investments in which I'm not an operator of. Those generally do not have anything to do with those that alignment of those other things. I'm not the operator. I'm not spending mass amounts of time on them. And that's why they're in the other pot. So I'm focused. It seems, I think anyone looking, we have a, a flow chart of our companies that how it breaks down. It may seem like you're very unfocused, but it's actually really, really focused. All the companies that we own have a purpose to the core purpose, which is our private equity company. They all enhance that company, both financially, but also in output of end product, meaning everything we interject, we're looking to improve the end result, which is a rise in the net return on a per square foot value. So yield, they all have to do with that. So this isn't something that if I was doing it, I wouldn't do those other things. I'm just farming those out, right? Now we're internalizing, which maximizes the other side. Very planned, not scattered at all. And you can see how we got there. It brings me back down to my circle, my circle of competency, right? And understanding of opportunities the more that I did this one little thing grew. As that grew, more companies fell into it. Companies that were outside of my preview before I understood. Those companies expanded on and added on. They're still 100% within my core understanding of opportunity that I can see, have an effect, acknowledge, uh, or excuse me, um, uh, operate, that I can work within and they're all very much aligned. My outside ones that are not are still substantial um, and they provide hedges, they provide all that kind of stuff. They provide passive income, non-correlated things, but that's an end goal. You can't get to any of that unless your overall individual circle, which starts with a job, and it starts with making an income, which understands how businesses work, which understands an output from a system that is created. Then you get curious, you start to learn more about how those things work. As you get curious and learn how those things work, you say, I can do this. Then you improve. 
Then you say, well, what if we added on and what if we did something different? Then the output improves. And now you're seeing a reaction as you're doing and you are learning real time and that circle of competence is growing. Now you start to see opportunities that you may have never saw before. I think the most underrated and greatest entrepreneurs are intrapreneurs. I view almost most of my businesses as and startups as entrepreneurs, meaning we started them within our own company. And employees or you within your business can start sub-businesses that you're that you are uh, capitalizing on value that you yourself need. And you need to do the other thing better. 100% within your competency. In fact, you're very strong in that because you understand how to get that output and you understand what is needed. So you can build something around it. Now you've produced value that can be sold on the marketplace. And then your circle grows. And then you can figure out how you extrapolate that. But you're doing that without losing the income. That's what I'm trying to get at here. You're shifting income into another area that allows you to grow, allows you to, to take that. Or if you make a lot of money, you're just buying passive income, right? Uh, you're putting money in and buy passive income. And that's great. That's awesome. That's wonderful. Uh, but the point is, is your income, right? The W-2 part that you work on, you have to have to live on. Everyone does. Jobs are incredible because they provide that for us all. You also, though, want to have upside. The framework in which the W-2 works gives you understanding, education, and opportunity because you can see. That is the best thing that comes from your income. Best things, hands down. You should get a job to grow that uh, circumference of understanding because that will grow your opportunity, which will yield results that are far surpass uh, what your income will. And then from there, that gives you the ability to transfer this earned income thing that you're doing into a vehicle that creates wealth, which the income W-2 doesn't create with inside. That transfer reshapes now your future. Now you need to then grow that circumference to understand business functionalities, right? From there, you can start to do all these other things as you go. But what looks scattered and unorganized is very methodical for us. It's something that we've been doing for a long time, but it's taken me 20 years to learn these things. I got to learn them alongside my dad and my brother-in-law. We didn't know anything about real estate. My father taught me so much about business, everything else like that. So I feel that I had an advantage of a greater circumference. Why? Because when we're talking, when I started, there were no podcasts. There were no Facebook groups. There was no social media. Uh, there was no online courses. There was no way for other people to get it. And I, I, I think that that to me is so tremendous value that I had. But now today, you can understand all of these things. Like it, it shocks me that today, what I learned from my father, you can learn easily and a billion times more. So then I, you know, was obsessed with podcast books, things like that, and growing that area of circumference. That doesn't mean though that I went off 
well, not all the time, but sometimes, and just went and did something else randomly. But I took those pieces of those puzzles to put into our areas to help us round uh, it out. And I did that without losing income. And I did that without this huge idea of this greater risk. Maybe it's slower. Maybe it's, no, I want to live this entrepreneur dream, rolling the dice. I may not know a lot. We're just going to go. We're just going to get started. And it's not that even that can't work. I just think that that's not really how it works. Meaning that the reason why most of these tech startups are so successful is because of venture capital, not really the tech startups. They applied these frameworks and business practices and understanding over an idea with a passionate entrepreneur, and they gave him those resources and tools that they need. That's what you get from venture capital. When you're an entrepreneur and you see that, remember we talked about the first, you see this opportunity, but the execution, right, you may not fully understand or know. Well, now you show the opportunity, you show the dream. Venture capital says, I'll come in, I'll give you money and resources. Now you can get paid, but I'm also giving you the business structure side of it that this can actually work. Now, Let's go try to make it work. So when you are going in, you need to find value by understanding value. You have to increase that circumference of understanding. Then you also need to understand how to execute, how to build structure and all of that. That is the verifying piece. I can't tell you how many ideas I thought were amazing when I was young, which had no application and couldn't really even work. Um, and it's not because it wouldn't be amazing. It's just it couldn't work. There's no way of going about it and doing it. Uh, this is very common. And I see this a lot with young entrepreneurs. And when you look at the execution, the execution, you're like, I, this isn't going to work out. And they're like, but th there's so much demand for this. And there's so much opportunity. It's almost like it doesn't matter. That's a death knell. Because when you say there's so much opportunity it doesn't matter, then why hasn't anybody done it? Because you can't do it and it doesn't execute in that way. So you need to focus on keeping an income, growing, transferring an income into a mode that creates wealth and be curious, everyone. Ask questions, read books, and it doesn't matter if it's within where you're trying to go, your investment structure, or even necessarily what you're trying to do, because what you'll learn there, you can apply. What I learned from insurance and from sales from my dad, I apply into everything I do today. What I have learned from people that run Fortune 500 companies, what I've learned from some of the greatest investors, right, I apply today. What I've learned from books and podcasts, I apply today. So taking chunks out. The idea is to get away from the storybook dream, from the, you know, movie-like idea of wealth and income and make it boring and methodical and grow that circle, be curious, test ideas and opportunities and business models, be, ask people, why doesn't things work? Why did it work? The more you do that, the more opportunities you're going to see everywhere. And then the more you understand how to execute, you're going to say, oh, wow, I could do this, but this isn't right for me. And this would take too much time. I see that every day. I say no to opportunities endlessly that would they be successful? Yes. The entrepreneur that's saying we should do this together. Well, we could and it would be successful, but that doesn't mean I should do it. So the more opportunities you see, the more you can evaluate which ones are correct for you and why you should be going about them and what you can do with them. And then that allows you to actually start making moves. 
Now, as you start making moves and as you start doing those things, that starts to build confidence. And it also builds a four-dimensional understanding, which that, as you move, acts like leverage to all the actions later on. The problem is that first part is slow and there's a lot of mess ups. So don't think that this is gambling and stack all, everything on red when your understanding of uh, your circumference of understanding is really, really small. The danger is what you don't know, right? So work on growing that and do that not only through education, but this is why people partner with other people. This is why you have visionaries. This is why you have integrators and people that grow big businesses and people that grow wildly successful learn that very, very quick. And then the bigger you get, the more resources you have. So the less you need to know about particular uh, structural and application based things, and you can start hiring the things that you don't know out as long as you understand the main things and where you're going. This once again adds gasoline and you could see how that compounds quickly. But it's not quick, it's not easy, it's not a storybook, but it's something you have to work towards every single day. And if you allocate these things, if you understand these things and do every single day, in five years, it's your understanding of everything will shock you. Um, and it's not because of books you read, it's because that circumference is really expanding by doing, by seeing, by working with others. And that's what you're trying to get then you can do that without risk of just simple income. You can move your income into something usable or you can replace it by the new thing that you're doing. This is a really hard topic to even talk about because there's so many things that go into it. And when people look at, I have my paycheck, I wanna do my own thing, I wanna replace that paycheck, it always seems just like a one or another, right? It's, well, I'm going to start this up and I'm just going to give up on my paycheck and I'm going to eat saltine crackers and I'm going to make it big, right? And that's not the reality. Most of the biggest, most successful people I know, they took what they were learning and doing at one company and just took it outside and turned that into a functionality on its own. And that company exploded because they recognized a need that was within their area of understanding and they built upon it and they were able to shift their income from that internal thing to that external thing or what they learned online or what they did at home or what they uh, on and on and on. Uh, so the idea is to keep that income, grow that income, but then start to use leverage through growing your understanding as you can capitalize on those opportunities. All right, everybody, this was a mouthful for me. And uh, this is a hard thing. I, I, this is like a four dimensional topic that is asked all the time. And it's so hard to talk about, like, well, how do I replace my income? And well, should I get rid of my job now? Should I just start it up? How much should I invest? How much should I save? Right? This is an income, This is, or excuse me, this is the uh, complicated question, obviously because of everything we just mentioned, and it's so individualized based, but it is the most important question. So that's why it's great that you're asking it. That's why it's great that people want to know. This is a question that I asked for decades. How do I do this and increase the income? Where do I replace it? And you're going to mess up and it's going to be okay. But don't do it in a way that is reckless and will take you backwards. The idea is to progress. All right, everybody. Hope that confusing topic helped you out. Been on my mind a lot, and I wanted to share my, my thoughts with you on it. So thanks, everybody. Talk soon.